I'm glad to open God's Word with you today. We're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs, considering the topic of how we walk the path of wisdom. So often when we think about the need for wisdom, you know, we're thinking about big, major life decisions, change of jobs, moving, where to go to college. We're thinking big things like this. But the reality is, is that we need wisdom and God gives wisdom for the hundred of daily difficult decisions that we face. Smaller situations. So in a family, should I tighten down on my child's behavior in this particular scenario, or should I kind of back off and let it ride? Man, I don't know. I need wisdom for that. How do I respond to that comment that I think sounded like a snub? How do I respond to that tweet or that Facebook post or respond not at all? How do I respond to pressure from work to pick up more hours when I'm already feeling pressure to be more engaged at home? How do I balance and navigate that? How do I handle that difficult family member? How do I have that conversation? What if they say something unexpected? How do I respond? Is it time to speak the truth and just tell them? Is it time to be more compassionate? What do I do? Well, for these varied situations that just come at us in a tidal wave every day, God gives us wisdom. Our passage today from Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 2, maps out the path of wisdom. So I'm going to ask Nick Taylor if he would come and read for us our passage today from Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Thank you, Nick. We all need wisdom. You never know when a microphone won't work. You need wisdom. We need wisdom in knowing skill to how to relate to life around us. Big situations, little situations, we need an internal guidance system that's going to help us navigate the twists and turns of life. Robin and I had only been married for a few years, and we were headed home for Christmas. My mom and dad had not too long ago moved to Columbus, Ohio. That wasn't our home. I had not really been there. I certainly didn't know my way around the city at that point. We were living in South Carolina and been driving all day. It's late. We finally get to Columbus. If you know anything about Columbus, Ohio, there's a beltway around the outside of the city. And there is an interstate that runs north to south. That's Highway 71, Interstate 71. 
and then east to west, Interstate 70. They intersect in the middle. So here we come up, and I'm supposed to find, I'm on 71, I'm supposed to find 70 and go east. Well, it's late, 70, 71, you know, they're kind of close, you know. So I won't make any excuses. I got on the wrong road. But I didn't know that I'd gotten on the wrong road. So instead of going east to the Beltway and turning left, I went north to the Beltway and turned left. And this is pre-GPS days. I mean, I had a computer print off from my 1990s PC at home of trying to give me directions. And now I'm looking at these directions and I'm seeing roads and exits and they don't match. And I, what do I do? I, well, I keep going. And I, I don't understand where I am. I keep driving. I think surely we'll find, it'll be familiar in a minute. And then of course, finally, I'm so disoriented and I choose to stop. We figure out the problem and we make our way home. So the problem is, is I didn't know my directions. I didn't know the surroundings. All I had were directions, but just those directions on their own didn't help me. It needed to be internalized. It needed to be something that I knew personally. And the path of life is like that too. There are lots of twists and turns, lots of unfamiliar ground, Lots of places where a map, if we're not in the right place, has limited value. We need wisdom. Wisdom is skill in relationships. It's skill in knowing how to relate to God. It's skill in knowing how to relate to other people. It's skill in knowing how to relate to the world around us. And it's skill in knowing how to relate to ourselves. Skill in relationships. And we all want this. We want this for ourselves. We want it for our kids. We want it for our grandkids. And so when we turn to a passage like Proverbs chapter 2, it's nice. It starts off, it says, my son. And then here's all the... So obviously, it's not not meant for the younger generation. But this, when it says son, it doesn't just mean children. It means all of God's children. Because the one who's speaking here is God the Father. And he's speaking to us who follow him. The passage we're looking at today is unique in the book of Proverbs. Most of the book of Proverbs is comprised of one verse that's kind of standalone. Like a chapter in the book of Proverbs is almost like uh, a string of pearls where you have these individual Proverbs or wise sayings all strung together one right after another. But Proverbs chapter 2 is unique in that it is incredibly linear. The author of Proverbs is reasoning. He's analytical. He's going from verse 1 all the way down. And we're going to be tracking with that today. And what he's doing, the Lord is providing for us. Here are mile markers on the road to wisdom. Here are directions for walking the path of wisdom. And it is walked. It's not sprinted. This isn't instant orientation. It's not grasped overnight, but it is crystal clear. 
So let's dive in. Proverbs chapter 2 shows us that the first step on the path to wisdom is that we must receive the wisdom we have. You need to receive the wisdom you already have. And we all already have the wisdom, the starter kit to begin with. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Now we'll let him finish that sentence in a little while, but we're going to leave it hanging there. Notice the emphasis. Do you see the key words? Receive. Store up. Be attentive. Incline your heart. What we're talking about here is humble listening. In a sense, it's almost like very active passivity, actively receiving something from someone else. This is getting wisdom from outside of you and welcoming it in. So for kids, what this means is God has already hardwired into your family the first step of wisdom. It's your mom and dad. God has given you wisdom already in your family. You need to be attentive to it. And for moms and dads, what that means for adults, it means that God has given wisdom in his word. The book of Proverbs, yes, but then all of his word orients us to how to live in right relationship with God, people, the world, and ourselves. But we have to take advantage of listening and receiving what he has said. Wisdom-filled children come from wisdom-filled parents. Because the reality is, God made the world. And he made it to work a certain way. And then he's told us how that works in his word. And we can decide, we can go off-roading and think that life works best when we just go this way, or we follow our heart. Or this is what we want to do even if God says something else. And like someone has said, if you go against the grain of the universe, you're going to get splinters. Why? Because God made it to work a certain way. That's just the way it is. He baked that wisdom into the fabric of the universe. And we go against it to our own peril. So we must actively receive the wisdom that God has already provided. The first step to wisdom is listening, receiving. What's step number two? Next, seek the wisdom you lack. We go from receiving to seeking. Notice verses three and four. Listen for key words. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, See a pattern? You see an emphasis? Notice first the shift from passive to active. Instead of just receiving, now you are pursuing. You don't have it, but you want it. And so you're calling and shouting and summoning and looking and seeking and searching. You're not content to merely have it given to you. You want to find it for yourself. If you don't sense a need for wisdom, you won't seek it. And if you don't seek it, you won't find it. 
An active seeking is required. Wisdom is a treasure that must be mined to make it mine. That's just the way God has set it up. So if you want to have that internal guidance to be able to rightly relate to God and the world and people and all the dozens of situations you're going to encounter that change every day, you have to seek it. Well, what what does that even mean? Well, it says call out. So first, we're asking for it. We're praying, right? We're asking God. We're begging God. Please give me wisdom today. You know what I'm going to face. I don't. Prepare me for it. Help me in that moment. I'm begging. I'm asking. Then I'm studying his word. I know I need guidance. And so I'm going into what he's already revealed in the pages of scripture. And I'm studying and I'm searching and I'm seeking while I'm also asking him to show me as well. And then I don't just stop there. God wants us to think. There are so many places in the Bible where God calls us to think, to remember, to process, to use the minds he's given us as we consider his word and we consider the situation around us. We need to read our environment. So it's not enough merely to pray and then just sort of wing it to say, well, I guess I've got peace about this. Or, wow, it was a sign I knew it. So I'm going to check good reason at the door and just go with option C. No, God wants us to pray and study and think and collaborate. Remember, as a church, we're members of a body, but we're all individual members. We need each other. I couldn't talk without my hands. (laughs) And so we all need the other members of the body. So when we don't know what to do or we need particular wisdom, ask for advice and counsel. It's a way of seeking the wisdom that God has provided. So the path of wisdom. First, we receive. We're a learner. We're humbly accepting what God has said. Second, we actively seek the wisdom that we lack. And then thirdly, You need to gain the wisdom that you need. Gain the wisdom you need. And now we move from the four verses of if, now we get to the results. If this is true, and if that is true, then what? Here we go. Verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Okay, wait a minute. How is it that I've been seeking wisdom And instead of finding wisdom, I'm finding the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. It sounds like I wanted A and I'm getting B, but the reality is answered, the question is answered in the next verse, which explains why getting the Lord is the answer to seeking wisdom. Because, verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and watching over the way of his saints. So when we ask God for wisdom and he gives it, he gives it in the form of himself. He gives the building blocks that we use to arrive at wisdom. He doesn't just drop a memo from heaven to say, 
Here's what you need to do. Here's the email in your inbox. Do A, B, and C. Instead, he gives us what we really need to arrive at wise decisions. What are they? The fear of the Lord. What does that mean? Well, the fear of the Lord means that I understand that there is a God to be feared. There is a God, and it's not me. This God is big, he's in charge, and I am not. When I live in that reality, it changes everything. I don't make decisions a certain way because I know I'm answerable to him. And then it says the knowledge of God. I am always living in conscious awareness that there is a God who sees, who knows, with whom I will give account. So both of these together communicate that the building blocks of wisdom is that I live in the conscious awareness of God, that I listen to him, that he's in charge, and that, unlike me, he has all the wisdom. Now, this is very important. Often when Robin and I are making decisions, maybe we're planning some sort of trip for the family or vacation or some other plans, we'll get together and we'll talk, and it's not uncommon that we'll say, well, to make this decision, we need more information. We don't have enough data. Without factoring God into my decisions, without factoring God into my life, we will never have enough data to make wise decisions in the day-to-day. Explain it this way. There is a seminary in Glenside, Pennsylvania called Westminster Theological Seminary. It's a beautiful campus if you've ever been there. It has a gorgeous library full of amazing books right at the center of the campus. All the faculty offices surround this library. The student center isn't the, he- the hub of the campus. The library is. And not too many years ago, after they had built the library, one of the students, before he had become a student, had been a radon technician. And so he was coming to the library one day, and on a whim, he brought his equipment with him, his radon meter, to the library. Now, I'm going on a limb here. Ogletown has a statistically uh, above average number of engineers here. So I'm going to be talking about radon and, and all that and knowing that I'm, I'm probably way off base. So you can set me straight later, all right? So just be patient with me for a moment. But my understanding is that they measure radon in units called picocuries. Now, in air like we're breathing right now, normal air, there, is, there are four picocuries per certain amount of volume of air in just regular air. My understanding is if you're a chain smoker, you're inhaling per day 200 picocuries. That's what I read. If you work in a uranium mine every day, you're inhaling 400 picocuries. When they did the test at Westminster Seminary Library, the meter read 4,000 picocuries. The worst rating in the United States. Ten times a uranium mine. What they surmise is that about 40 miles down, 
there was a crack in the Earth's crust that was allowing an unbelievable amount of radon gas to escape right up through the library. And so they had to retrofit the library with the right equipment to resolve the situation. In the meantime, there were signs in police tape saying, stay away, hazardous. And so what had looked like the absolute best location on campus to put the library, in reality, when you have all the facts, turned out to be the worst possible case in the United States. And so if, unless we are factoring God into our lives and into our values and into the way we make decisions, we're not going to be making good decisions. He has all the facts. So when he says, live this way, this way, and this way, we do well to listen because we never have all the facts. So there are people who have street smarts, right? People who have business savvy. This is, these are people who have a slice of wisdom. And they can navigate parts of life really well. Business, certain part of life on the streets. But how are they doing at navigating other areas? Family, morality, planning, relationships. Perhaps not well. Because it's not a matter of saying, I've got smarts in one area. It's a matter of, I'm never going to have enough facts to make a good decision unless I listen to God's way and do it his way because he has every single piece of data in the universe. And now he's told us, not all the data, but enough to make wise choices. He's told us how to live in right relationship with himself and with the world and with people and ourselves. And so the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God is the true north that orients us to life. So this path of wisdom, we receive, first of all, the wisdom that we don't even have yet. We receive the wisdom from others we then actively seek and ask him to give it to us. And then what he gives us is actually himself, the, the most essential building blocks we need to have wisdom. And where does that lead? Not only do we gain the wisdom we need, now we enjoy the wisdom we know. Enjoy the wisdom you know. Let's finish verses 9 through 11. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. How is that the case? Here's why. Here's how you know. Because wisdom will come into your heart. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Here is internalized wisdom. Here's the GPS I needed driving around Columbus late at night. I needed to have it on the inside where God's way wasn't chafing. Where the decision, God says, here's the wisdom. 
And instead of my just kind of taking it and going, oh, I don't like it, but I guess I'll go your way, God, and I guess I'll do the right thing. Now it's part of me, and I say, yes, I want to do that. His wisdom is now pleasant to my soul. The map that I've used to navigate life has now become a compass on the inside. And that wisdom in rightly relating to God and his world has become a pleasure, not a grief, not a hardship, not an inconvenience. It's the way I want to live. Isn't that what we want for ourselves? Isn't that what we want for our kids? I mean, do we really want to stand over our kids' shoulders as they get older? They're 20, 25, 30, and we're standing on their shoulder going, no, don't do this. You think that's really wise? I'm not so sure that's a good decision. No, we want them to take what we've been teaching them and to internalize it, and now they're making decisions, and they are following the Lord, and they are learning how to rightly relate to God and people in the world and themselves. But can we be honest? Who among us rightly relates to God and the world and people and ourselves? I mean, who is there that's ever done that? I can think of one. Jesus Christ, it says as he was growing up, it says he grew in wisdom. And then as he was walking and ministering and teaching, helping, serving, people were amazed at the wisdom that he used as he taught. And we read it in the Gospels, and we're amazed when we read like just how brilliantly he handled that difficult situation or that impossible question or that challenging scenario. Jesus always rightly related to God, to people, the world, and himself. Wisdom. That is his wisdom. He is the ultimate in wisdom. And now he's given that wisdom to us, to all who follow him. Can I direct your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30? And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. So this is for Christians or people who belong to Jesus. Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. What's that wisdom look like? Righteousness, sanctification, redemption. So now, all who belong to Jesus, you know what's true of us ultimately? We are now finally and fully related correctly to God. We're now rightly related to people in this world and ourselves. In Jesus, he has come and he set everything right. That's the bedrock beneath my feet. You think, you know, you Christians you somehow always get around to Jesus. It's such an expected move. But, you know, it's the most amazing thing, really, when you think about it. Because if this weren't the case, we would say, hey, we've got wisdom. 
let me tell you, let me tell you how you're wrong and how we're right. But if Jesus is our most fundamental basis of wisdom, where we truly get rightly related to God and everything else, then, you know, as I walk the path of wisdom, it's going to keep me from being arrogant because I know that ultimately all that wisdom, it comes from God. It's Jesus' wisdom that has rightly related me to God and everything else, not mine. So it keeps me from making decisions and being arrogant about it. I'm right, you're wrong, because I'm a Christian. But at the same time, that same wisdom from God also keeps me from being afraid. On the one hand, I might be arrogant. On the other hand, I might be then, on the other hand, scared to move ahead. I, I want to pursue God's wisdom, but I don't know. I mean, what's the right thing to do, and how do I do it, and what if I make a bad decision, and what if I mess up, and... Well, you know what? God set everything right between you and himself and you and everything else. Feel free to make mistakes. He died to pay for those mistakes. You don't need to be afraid. No, we're not talking about being cavalier, irresponsible. We're talking about walking the path of wisdom. But we can walk that path in a Christian way because of what Christ has done and he's given us his wisdom. Now I can walk that road and not be arrogant and I can walk it and not be afraid. Isn't that wonderful? Christianity is not ultimately about how wise we are. It's about how Jesus has rightly related to God and everything else brought us into that relationship And now we get to humbly and confidently live that out and walk the path of wisdom. Receiving, seeking, gaining, and enjoying the good that we find in the wisdom of God. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for telling us how you've made the world to work. All these realities that orient us to living life in this very good and also broken world. How we give you thanks that you have given us wisdom in Christ and then help us walk in that same wisdom. Help us today to actively seek and yet to do so without arrogance and without fear. We pray all this In Jesus' name, amen.